Good morning, everyone. This is Minister McMillan. I hope everyone is having a blessed day. Let's give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah, 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 Lord. Hallelujah, almighty God. Father, we give you the praise and the honor and glory. We thank you, O Lord. Thank you, Father, for all things that you do. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your holy name. Lord, we praise you, almighty God. Lord, we praise you, most holy one. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord, Lord, we praise your holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord, Lord, we praise you. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah, oh Lord. Lord, we praise you, almighty God. Lord, we praise you, most holy one. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we praise your holy name. Ayadia, asayalahe, yondoshika, ayadashiege. Yandaya e yandoshi yataya e Hallelujah Hallelujah Lord Yandakasha Hallelujah Hallelujah Lord Ayadashe Yondasha Hallelujah Oh Lord Hallelujah Oh Lord Amen Amen Hallelujah Lord Let's take a few minutes out and give the Lord some praise. Ayati shondoro siakala hai. Ayati andalala shondoro siakala. Ayindala hai alasi. Yondo siaka. Alai yondoro siakala basha. Ekelarian. Ashaka. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Glory, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we give you the praise and honor and glory this morning. We thank you, Almighty God, for being with us throughout the night, watching over us and our families. We thank you, Almighty God, for your love, your grace, and your mercy, Lord. We thank you, Father, for leading us in all things. We thank you, Father, for your guidance, for teaching us, Lord. Thank you, Father. Lord, we ask today that you go with us in this word. Us and you, and you and us, Father. Teach us, Lord. Help us to understand all things that we read today. Let us see these things in example forms in our lives today, Father. Let us see where we can make changes for betterment of ourselves as well as others. Let us be a beacon of light unto others and help them as well. And let us reach out, Father, to those in need, those who are drawing to them. Thank you, Almighty God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for the opportunity today to be before you in this word and to spend time with you. Thank you, Almighty God, for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Yeshua Mashiach. Amen. Amen. Amen, everyone. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today we are going to be, uh, again, reading from the book of Job. We left off with one of Job's friends who was speaking to him. And, of course, he was uh, not very nice about it. <laughs> uh, accusations were flying everywhere. Uh, basically telling him he was a sinner and he needed to repent and stop complaining. But Job is basically stating his case before the Lord. And his friends are not being very helpful. They mean well, but they're not being helpful. And we have that today, you know, um, people that love us and care about us really, in their mindset, they think that they're helping and they really aren't helping. Okay, so we're going to pick up in Job uh, 23 and 1. Even today, this is Job's reply, even today my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy in spite of my groaning. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would find out what he would answer me and consider what he would say. Would he oppose me with great power? No, he would not press charges against me. There an upright man could present his case before him, and I would be delivered forever from my judge. But if I go to the east, he is not there, and if I go to the west, 
I do not find him. And when he is at work in the north, I do not see him. And when he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. But he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps, and I have kept to his ways without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips, and I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. But he stands alone, and who can oppose him? He does whatever he pleases. He carries out his decrees against me, and much and many such plans he still has in store. That is why I am terrified before him. When I think of all this, I fear him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silent in the darkness by the thick darkness that covers my face. Why does the Almighty not set times for judgment? Why must those who know him look in vain for such days? Men move boundary stones that pasture flocks and they have they have stolen. They drive away the orphan's donkey and take the widow's oxen pledge. They trust the needy from the path and force they thrust the needy from the path and force all the poor of the land into hiding. Like wild donkeys in the desert, the poor go about their labor of foregoing food. The wasteland provides food for their children, and they gather fodder in the fields and glean in the vineyards of the wicked. Lacking clothes, they spread the... They spend the night naked, and they have never, excuse me, they have nothing to cover themselves in the cold. They They are drenched by mountain rain and hung the rocks for lack of shelter. The father's children is snatched from the beast. The infant of the poor is seized for a debt. Lacking clothes, they go about naked. They carry the sheaves, but still go hungry. They crush olives among the, among the terraces. They tread the wine press, yet suffer thirst. The groans of the dying rise from the city, and the souls of the wounded cry out for help. But God charges no one with wrongdoing. There are those who rebel against the light, who do not know its way or stay in its path. When the daylight is gone, the murderer rises up and kills the poor and needy. In the night, he steals forth like a thief. The eye of the adulterer watches for dust. He thinks, no eye will see me. 
and he keeps his face concealed. In the dark, men break into houses, but by day, they shut themselves in. They want nothing to do with the light. For all of them, deep darkness is their mourning. They make friends with the terror of darkness. Yet they are formed on the surface of the water. Their portion of the land is cursed, so that no one goes to the vineyards. As heat and drought snatches away the melted snow, so the grave snatches away those who have sinned. The wound forgives them. The wounds feast on them. The womb forgets them. The worm feasts on them. Evil men are no longer remembered, but are broken like a tree. They prey on the barren and the childless woman, and to the widow shows no kindness. But God drags away the mighty by his power. Though they become established, they have no assurance of life. He may let them rest in a feeling of security, but his eyes are on their ways. For a little while they are exalted, and then they are gone. They are brought low and gathered up like all the others. They are cut off like the heads of grain. If this is not so, who can prove me false and reduce my words to nothing? Now we're going to hear from Bildad. Now you have to, as we're going along reading these, uh, you have to you have to think about today, and much of this is true. You know, the part about um, crime. Most crime takes place during the night hours, the evening hours. Okay. here lately, and this is how we know we're getting towards the end of times. Crime has taken a spin and um, has started presenting itself in the daylight, which is the boldness of evil. Uh, you know, we're not going to wait anymore under the cover of night. We don't care if you see us. We're just going to um, do it anyway. Um he talks about how the Lord judges, and it doesn't matter who you are or what position you hold. Uh, it's pretty much the same judgment that's, that's given out. Okay, now we're into chapter 25, and this is uh, Bildad's um, reply. Dominion and awe belong to God. He established order in the heights of heaven. Can his forces be numbered? No. Upon whom does his light not rise? How then can a man be righteous before God? How can one born of a woman be pure? If even the moon is not bright and the stars are not pure in his eyes, 
how much less man, who is but a maggot, a son of man, who is only a worm. Now Job replies, have, uh, how have you helped the powerless? Have you, uh, how have you, um, how have, how you have saved the arm that is feeble? What advice you have offered to one without wisdom? And what great insight you have displayed? Who has helped you utter these words? And whose spirit spoke from your mouth? See? <laughs> you know, you have to hand it to Job. I mean, he is he's hurting and uh, scratching and uh, bleeding everywhere. And he's still standing his ground against the enemy. The dead are in the deep anguish, those beneath the waters and all that live in them. Death is naked before God. Destruction lies uncovered. He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He spreads the earth over nothing. Remember in the beginning, there was nothing, just God in the water. He wrapped up the waters in his clouds, yet the clouds do not burst under his weight, under their weight, excuse me. He covered the face of the full moon, spreading his cloud over it. He marks out the horizon on the face of the waters for a boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of the heavens quake, august at his rebuke. By his power, he churned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab to pieces. By his breath, the skies be became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these are but the other fringes of his works. How faint the whisper we hear of him, who then can understand the thunder of his power. Assuredly, chapter 27, assuredly, as God lives, who has denied me justice, the Almighty, who has made me taste bitterness of soul? As long as I have lived within me, the breath of God is in my nostrils. My lips will not speak wickedness, and my tongue will utter no deceit. I will never admit you are in the right till I die. I will not deny my integrity. I will mount I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. 
My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. May my enemies be like the wicked, my adversaries like the unjust. For what hope has the godless when he is cut off, when God takes away his life? Does God listen to his cry? When distress comes upon him, will he find delight in the Almighty? Will he call upon God at all times? I will teach you about the power of God, the ways of the Almighty I will not conceal. You have all seen this yourselves. Why then this meaningless talk? Here is the faith God allots to the wicked, the heritage a ruthless man receives from the Almighty. However, many his children, their faith is the sword. His offspring will never have enough to eat. The plague will bury those who survive him, and their widows will not weep for them. Though he heaps up silver like dust and clothes like piles of clay, what he lays up the righteous will wear, and the innocent will divide his silver. The house he builds is like a moth's cocoon, like a hut made by a watchman. He lies down wealthy, but will do so no more. When he opens his eyes, all is gone. Terror overtakes him like a flood. A tempest snatches him away in the night. The east wind carries him off, and he is gone. It sweeps him out of his place. It hurls itself against him without mercy. As he flees headlong from its power, it clasps its hands in derision and hisses him out of his place. There is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is smelted for ore. Man puts an end to the darkness. He searches the farthest resources for ore in the blackest darkness. Far from where people dwell, he cuts a shaft in place forgotten by the foot of men. Far from the men, he dangles and swings. The earth from which food comes is transformed below as by fire sapphires come from its rocks, and its dust contains nuggets of gold. No bird of prey knows the hidden path. No falcon eye has seen it. The proud beasts do not set food on it, and no lion prowls there. Man's hands assaults the flinty rock and lays bare the roots of the mountain. He tunnels through the rock and his eyes, all its treasures. He tunnels through the rocks 
His eyes see all its treasures. He searches the sources of the rivers and brings hidden things to light. But where can wisdom be found? Where does understanding dwell? Man does not comprehend its worth. It cannot be found in the land of the living. The deep say, it is not in me. The sea says, it is not with me. It cannot be bought with fine gold, nor can its price be weighed in silver. It cannot be bought with the gold of Ophir, with precious oxen and sapphires. Neither gold nor crystal can compare with it, nor can it be for jewels of gold. Coral and jasper are not worth, worthy of mention. The price of wisdom is beyond rubies. The topaz of Cush cannot compare with it. It cannot be brought with pure gold. Where then does wisdom come from? Where does understanding dwell? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing, concealed even from the birds of the air. Destruction and death say only a rumor of it has reached our ears. God understands the way to it, and he alone knows where it dwells. For he views the end of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. When he established the force of the wind and measured out the waters, when he made a decree for the rain and a path for thunderstorms, then he looked at wisdom and appraised it. He confirmed it and tested it. And he said to man, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to shun evil is understanding. I think that that's self-explanatory, don't you? Okay, let's move on to uh, 29. Job is still speaking. How I long for the months gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for that, oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God imitated friendship, blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched with cream and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil, when I went to the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young man saw me and stepped aside, and the old man rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking and covered their mouths with their hands, and the voices of the nobles were hushed. 
and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouth. Whoever heard me speak well of me, and those who saw the command commanded me, because I rescued the poor who cried for help, and the fatherless who had none to assist him. The man who was dying pleased me, and I made the widow's heart sing. I put on the righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame, and I was father to the needy. I looked up the case of the stranger, and I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the victims from their teeth. I thought I will die in my own house, my days as numerous as the grains of sand. My roots will reach to the water, and the dew will lie all night on my branches. My glory will remain fresh in me, in the bow, ever new in my hand. Men listen to me expectantly, waiting in silence for my counsel. And after I had spoken, they spoke no more. My words fell gently on their ears. And they waited for me as for showers and drank in my words as spring of war, a spring of rain. When I smile at them, they scarcely believed it. The light of my face was precious to them. I chose the way for men. I chose the way for them and sat at their chief. I chose the way for them and sat as their chief. I dwelt as a king among his troops, and I was like one who confronts mourners. But now they mock me, men younger than I, whose fathers I would have disdained to put with my sheepdogs. Of what use was the strength of their hands to me, since their vigor has gone from them? Haggard from want and hunger, they roam the parched land and desolate wastelands at night. In the bushes, they gather salt herbs and their food was the root of the broom tree. They were banished from their they were banished from their fellow men, shouted at as if they were thieves. They were forced to live in dry stream beds among the rocks and in holes in the ground. They brayed among the bushes and huddled in the underground undergrowth. A base and nameless brood they were driven out of the land. And now their son mocked me in song. I have become a byword among them. They detest me and keep their distance. They do not hiss. They do not hesitate to spit in my face. Now that God has unstrung my bow and afflicted me, 
They throw off restraint in my presence. On my right, the triple attacks. They lay snares at my feet. They build their siege ramps against me and they break up my road. They succeed in destroying me without anyone's helping them. They advance as though a gap breached amid the rains. They come rolling in. Terrors overwhelm me. My dignity is driven away as by the wind. My safety vanishes like a cloud. And now my life ebbs away. Day, days of suffering grip me. Nights pierce my bones. My gnawing pain never rests. In his great power, God becomes like clothes to me. He birds... Uh, he binds me like the neck of my garment, and he throws me into the mud, and I am reduced to dust and ashes. I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn to me ruthlessly with the might of your hand, and you attack me. You snatch me up and drive me before the wind. You toss me about in the storm. I know you will bring me down to death, to the place appointed for all the living. Surely no one lays a hand on a broken man when he cries for help in his distress. Have I not weeped for those in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I looked for light, then came darkness. The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. I go out blackened, but not by the sun. I stand up in assembly and cry for help. I have become a brother of jackals, a companion of owls. My skin grows black and peels. My body burns with fever. My harp is tuned to mourning and my flute to the song of wailing. I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. For what is man's lot from God above, his heritage from the Almighty on high? Is it not ruin from the wicked, disaster from those who do wrong? Does he not see my ways and count my every step? If I have walked in falseness or my feet have hurled after deceit, let God weigh me in hostile scales, and he will know that I am blameless. If my steps have turned from the path, if my heart has been led, by my eyes, or if my hands have been defiled, then may others eat what I have sown, and may my chops be uprooted. Okay, let's, we're going to pause for a second. We are on 31 and uh, chapter 9. 
and we will come back after commercial. Okay, everyone, we are back. Thank you for pausing. Uh, now we're going to pick up again in 31.9. And Job is still speaking. If my heart has been enticed by a woman, or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, then may my wife grind another man's grain, and may other men sleep with her. For that would have been shameful, a sin to be judged. It is a fire that burns to destruction. It would have uprooted my harvest. Hello, people. You see, even he's saying here, had he slept with another woman or messed around in another man's house, he would have fallen to destruction. Because it's not of God. It's, it's one of the things that the Lord's detest. Okay? All right, let's continue. If, 13, if I had denied justice to my manservant or my maidservant, when they had a grievance against me, what would I do when God confront me? What will I answer when called to account? Did not he who made me in the womb make them? Did not the same one form us both within our mothers? If I have denied the desire of the poor or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, if I have kept my bread to myself, not sharing it with fatherless, but... From my youth, I reared him as would a father. And from my birth, I guided the widow. I have seen, okay? Um, I have seen anyone, I have seen anyone perishing from lack of clothing or a needy man without a garment. And his heart did not bless me for warning him with the for warming him with the fleece from my sheep. I have raised my hand against the fatherless, knowing that I have influence in court. Then let my arm fall from the shoulder and let it be broken off at the joint. See? He's telling you he has done all these things. He has fed the poor. And clothe them. Have you? He's taking care of the widows and the homeless. If I have put my trust in gold or said to pure gold, you are my security. I have rejoiced over my great wealth the fortune my hands had gained. I have regarded the sun in its radiance or the moon moving in splendor so that my heart was secretly enticed and my hand offered them a kiss of homage. Then those who would be sent to be judged 
for I would have been unfaithful to God on high if I have rejoiced at my enemy's misfortune. Do not rejoice when your enemy runs into trouble. Your Lord tells you to what? Reach out and lend a hand. Oh, gloat over the trouble that came to him. Now, that's... Now, if... um, I should correct that. If the Lord tells you to. Sometimes the Lord doesn't want you to do that. I have not allowed my mouth to sin by invoking a curse against his life. If men of my household has never said who has not had his fill of of Job's meat, but no stranger had to spend the night in the street, for my door was always open to the traveler. If I have concealed my sin as men do by hiding my guilt in my heart, because I so feared the crowd and so dreaded the contempt of the clans, that I kept silent and would not go outside. Oh, that I have someone to hear me. I sign now my defense. Let the Almighty answer me. Let my accuser put his indignation Uh, his indictment in writing. Surely I will wear it on my shoulder and I would put it on like a crown. I would give him an account of my every step like a prince. I would approach him. If my land cries out against me and all its furrows are wet with tears if I have devoured its field, excuse me, if I have devoured its yield without payment or broke the spirit of its tenants, then let briars come up instead of wheat and weeds instead of barley. Okay. Now that is, uh, that was Job. Now we're going to hear, we're going to hear rebuttal from his friend, Elihu. Okay. Now, we have a little bit more because, um, okay, Elihu. So, three men stopped answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. But Elihu, son of Barakel, the Buzite, of the family of Ram, became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. And he was also angry with the three friends because they had found no way to refute uh, to refute Job, and yet 
had uh, condemned him. Now Elihu had waited before speaking to Job because um, uh, because they were older than he. But when he saw that the three men had nothing more to say, his anger was aroused. So Elihu, son of Barcarel of Buzite, said, I am young in years, and you are old. That is why I was fearful, not daring to tell you what I know. I thought age should speak, advanced years should teach wisdom. But it is the spirit in a man, the breath of the Almighty, that gives him understanding. It is not only the old who are wise, not only the age who understand what is right. Therefore, I say, listen to me. I, too, will tell you what I know. I waited while you spoke. I listened to your reasons. While you were searching for words, I gave you my full attention. But not one of you have proved Job wrong. None of you have answered his arguments. But none uh, um, arguments. Do not say we have found wisdom. Let God refute him, not man. But Job has not marshaled his words against me. And I will not answer him with your arguments. They are dismayed and have found no more to say. Words have failed them. Must I wait now that they are silent? Now that they stand there with a with no reply? I too will have my say. I too will tell what I know. For I am full of words, and the spirit within me compels me inside. I am like I am like bottled up wine, like new wineskin ready to burst. I must speak and find relief. I must open my lips and reply. I will show partiality to no one, nor will I flatter any man. For if I were skilled in flattery, my maker would soon take me away. But now, Job, listen to my words and pay attention to everything I say. I am about to open my mouth. My words are on the tip of my tongue. My words come from the upright heart, my lips concerning speaking what I know. The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. Okay. Answer me then, if you can. Prepare yourself and confront me. I am just like you before God. I too have been taken from clay. No fear of me should alarm you, nor should my hand be heavy upon you. But you have said in my hearing, I heard the very words, I am pure and without sin. I am clean and free from guilt. Yet God has found fault with me 
He considers me his enemy. He fastens my feet in shackles, and he keeps close watch on all my paths. But I tell you, in this you are not right, for God is greater than man. Why do you complain to him that he answers none of man's words? For God does speak, now one another, now another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of night, when the deep sleep falls on man as he slumbers in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings to turn man from wrongdoing and keep him from pride, to perverse his soul from the spirit, to preserve his soul from the to preserve his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. Or a man may be chastened on a bed of pain with constant distress in his bones so that his very being finds food repulsive and his soul loathes the cloth, the, uh, his soul loathes the choicest meal, his flesh waste away to nothing, and his bones, once hidden, now stick out. His soul draws near to the pit, and his life to the messengers of death. Yet if there is an angel on his side as a mediator, one out of a thousand to tell a man what is right of him, right for him, to be gracious to him and say, spare him for going down to the pit, I have found a reason for him. Then his flesh is renewed like a children, like a children's. It is restored as in the days of his youth, and he prays to God and finds favor with him. He sees God's face and shouts for joy, and he stores by he is restored by God to his righteous state. Then he comes to men and say, I sinned and preserved what, and perverted what was right, but I did not get what I deserved. He redeemed my soul from going down to the pit, and I will live to enjoy the light. God does all these things to a man, twice even, three times, to turn back his soul from the pit that the light of life may shine on him. Pay attention, Job, and listen to me. Be silent, and I will speak. If you have anything to say, answer me. Speak up, for I want you to be cleared. But if not, then listen to me. Be silent, and I will teach you wisdom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, this is a young guy, younger than them, <laughs> and he's trying to be respectful according to the laws, but he actually is not. And he's going to tell someone who has, who has been around for many, many years and been with God for many, many years.
He's going to tell him about God. Now, uh, we see this a lot today. Now, we can't pass judgment because he might. He might have something uh, that's worth telling. And then he might be just blowing smoke. Okay? So let's just see. Okay, uh, 34. Elu continues. Hear my words, you wise men, and listen to me, you men of learning, for the ear tests words as the tongue tastes food. Let us discern for ourselves what is right, and let us learn together what is good. Job says, I am innocent, but God denies me justice. Although I am right, I am considered a liar. Although I am guiltless, his arrow, afflict, his arrow inflicts an incurable wound. What man is like Job? Who drinks scorn like water? He keeps company with the evildoers. He associates with the wicked man. For he says it profits a man nothing when he tries to please God. So listen to me, you men of understanding. Far be it from God to do evil. For the Almighty to do wrong, he pays. He repays a man for what he has done. He brings upon him what his conduct deserves. It is unlikable that God would do wrong, that the Almighty would prevent justice, that the Almighty might prevent justice. Who appoints him over the earth? Who put him in charge of the whole world? If it were his intention... And he withdrew his spirit and breath. All mankind would perish together, and man would return to the dust. If you have understanding, hear this and listen to what I say. Can he who hates justice govern? Will you condemn the just and mighty one? Is he not the one who says to the king, you are worthless? And the nobles, you are wicked, who shows no partiality to princes and does not favor the, the rich over the poor, for they are all the work of his hands. They die in an instant. In the middle of the night, the people are shaken and they pass away. The mighty are removed without human hands. His eyes are on the ways of men. He sees their every step. There is no dark place, no deep shadow, where evildoers can hide. God has no need to examine men further than uh, that they should come before him for judgment without inquiry. He shatters the mighty and sets up others in their place. Because he takes note of their deeds, he overthrows them in the night, and they are crushed. He punishes them for their wickedness, where everyone can see them, because they turn from following him. 
and had no regard for any of his ways. They caused the cry of the poor to come before him, so that he heard the cry of the needy. But if he remains silent, who can condemn him? If he hides his face, who can see him? Yet he is over man and nation alike to keep a godless man from ruling, from lying, from laying snares for the people. Suppose a man says to God, I am guilty, but will, but will offend no more. Teach me what I cannot see if I have done wrong, and I will do, and I will not do so again. Should God then reward you on your terms when you refuse to repent? You must decide, not I. So tell me what you know. Men of understanding declare, wise men who hear me say to me, Job speaks without knowledge. His words lack slight, lack insight. Oh, that Job might be tested to the utmost for answering like a wicked man. To his sin, he added rebellion. Scornfully, he claps his hands amongst us and multiplies his words against God. So, again, basically he's saying, no, 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 you must have done something because God wouldn't do this to you unless you did something that wasn't right in his eyesight. And now you are paying the price. That's what he's basically saying here. According to the laws of the Lord, blah, blah, blah. Okay? <laughs> okay, Elihu is going to continue. Okay. Uh, do you think this is just, you say I will be clear by God, yet you ask him what proof it is to me, and what do I gain <clears throat> by, not, by not sinning? I would like to repay to you and to your friends with you, and look up to heaven and see, gaze at the clouds so high above you. If you sin, how does that affect him? If you sin, sins are many, what does that do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give to him? Your wickedness affects only men like yourself, and your righteousness only the sons of men. Men cry out under a load of oppression. And they plead for relief from the arm of the powerful. But no one says, where is God, my maker? Who gives song in the night? Who teaches more to us than to the beast of the earth? And makes us wiser than the birds of the air? He does not answer when man cries out because of the arrogance of the wicked. Indeed, God does not listen to their empty plea. The Almighty pays no attention to it. How much less then will he listen when you say 
that you do not see him, that your case is before him, and you must wait for him. And further, that his anger never punishes, and he does not take the least notice of the wicked. So Job opens his mouth with empty talk and without knowledge, he multiplies words. Bear me, 36, bear, bear with me a little longer and I will show you that there is more to be said in God's behalf. I get my knowledge from afar. I will, I will ascribe justice to my maker. Be assured that my words are not false. On um, one perfect in knowledge is with you. God is mighty, but does not despise man. He is mighty and firm in his purpose. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their rights. He does not take his eyes off the righteous. He enthrones them with kings. And exalts them forever. But if men are bound in chains, held fast by cords of affliction, he tells them what they have done, and they that they have sinned arrogantly, and he makes them listen to correction and commands them to repent of their evil. If they obey and serve him, they will spend the rest of their days in prosperity and their years in contentment. But if they do not listen, they will perish by the sword and die within knowledge, uh, die without knowledge. Sorry. The goodies, uh, the goodies, the godless in heart harbors resentment, even when the fetters. Even when he fetters them, they do not cry for help. They die in their youth among the male prostitutes of the shrines. Mm. Okay. But those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. He is wooing you from the jaws of distress to a spacious place free from destruction, through the comfort of your table, laden with choice food. But now you are laden with the judgment due the wicked. Judgment and justice have taken hold of you. Be careful that you, uh, be careful that no one entices you by riches. And do not let a large bribe turn you aside. Would your wealth or even all your mighty efforts sustain you so you would not be in distress? And do not long for the night to drag people away from their homes. Beware of turning to evil, which you seem to prefer to affliction. God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed his ways for him or said to him, you have done wrong. Remember to exalt his work. Which man 
have praised in song. All mankind has seen it. Man gazed on it from the air. How great is God beyond our understanding. The number of his years is past finding out. He draws up the drops of water, which distill as rain in the streams. The clouds pour down their moisture and abandoned showers fall on mankind. Who can understand how he spreads out the clouds? How he thunders from the uh, how he thunders from his pavilion. See how he scatters his lightning about him, bathing the depths of the sea. This is the way he governs the nation and provides food in abundance. He fulfills his hand with lightning and commands it to strike its mark. His thunder announces the coming storm. Even the cattle make known its approach. And at this, my heart pounds and leaps from its place. We're on chapter 37. Now we're going to listen, listen to the roar of his voice, to the rumbling that comes from his mouth. He unlashes his lightning beneath the whole earth and sends it to the ends of the earth. After that comes the sound of roar. He thunders with his majestic voice. And when his voice resounds, he holds nothing back. God's voice thunders in marvelous ways. And he does great things beyond our understanding. He says to the snow, fall on the earth, and to the rain showers, be a mighty downpour so that all men he has made may know his works. He stops every man from his labor, and the animals take cover. They remain in their dens. The tempests come out from its chambers, the cold from the driving winds. The breath of God produces ice, and the brood waters become frozen. He loads the clouds with moisture, and he scatters his lightning through them at his direction. They swirl around over the face of the whole world, <clears throat> um, of the whole earth, to do whatever he commands them. He brings the clouds to punish men or to water his earth and shows his love. Listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang, hang poison, poison? Those wonders of him who is perfect in knowledge. You who swelt in your clothes when the land lies hustled under the south wind. Can you join him in spreading out the skies, hard as a mirror of cast brawn? Tell us what we should say to him. We cannot draw up our, our case because of our darkness. Should he be told that I want to speak? Would any man ask to be 
swallowed up. No one can look at the sun, bright as it is in the sky, after the wind has swept them clean. Out of the north he came in gold, golden splendor. God comes in awesome majesty. Uh, awesome. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, God comes in awesome majesty. The Almighty is beyond our reach and exhausted in power. And in his justice and great righteousness, he does not oppress. Therefore, men revere him. For does he not have regard for all the wise in heart? Okay, now that was his friend. Okay. Guys, we're going to break one more time. Uh, we're going to take a commercial, and then we're going to come back. Okay? All right, just pause with us for a minute. Okay, everyone, we're back. All right, so now we are going to hear the reply of God. <laughs> so now God is going to speak. Then the Lord answered Job out of, out of the storm. He said, who is this that darkness my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourselves like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understood. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measurement line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors? When it burst forth from the womb, when I made the cloud its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it, I set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no further, here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given order to the morning or showed the dawn its place that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? The earth takes shape like clay under a seal. Its features stand out like those of a garment. The wicked are denied their light, and their appraised arm is broken. Have you, joined, have you journeyed to the spring of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? 
Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gate of shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expansion of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the path of their dwelling? Surely you know, for you were already born. Hmm. You have lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of the hail? which I reserve for time of trouble, for days of war and battle. Are you paying attention here? Notice what he says. Have you entered the storehouses of snow or seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? Now, people... When you see hail, and I always say this, when you see hail, when there's a storm and it's rain, all of a sudden it's hail, look out. Get to cover. Find your place quickly. Because if it's not coming uh, in the physical, it's coming in the spiritual. And you need to cover yourself both ways. Okay? All right. Let's move on. What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrent of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass does the rain have a father? Whose father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from heaven? When the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen, can you bind the beautiful pilates? Can you loose the cords of Orient? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the cloud and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the light bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are, who endowed, who endowed the heart with wisdom or gave understanding to the mind. Who has wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of heaven when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together. Hmm. Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? 
when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who produces food for the ravens when its young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food? Do you know when the mountain goat gives birth? Do you watch when the doe bears her doe, her fawn? Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? Do, do you count the, the mouths till they bear? Uh, excuse me. Do you count the months till they bear? Um, do you know the time they give birth? They crouch down and bring forth their young. Their labor pains are ended. Their young thrive and grow strong in the wilds. They live and do not return. The, uh, sorry, they leave and do not return. Who lets the wild donkey go free? Who unties his ropes? I gave him the wasteland as his home the salt flats as his habitat. He laughs at the commotion in the town, and he does not hear a driver's shout. He ranges the hills for his pasture and searches for any green thing. While the wild oxen consents to serve you, will you stay by your manager at night? Will you stay by your manger at night? Can you hold him to the to the furlough with a harness? And will and uh, will he till the valley behind you? Will you re- rely on him for his great strength? Will you leave your heavy work to him? Can you trust him to bring you? Uh, to bring in your grain and gather it to your threshing floor. The winds of ostrich flap joyfully, but they cannot. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully, but they cannot compare with the peons and feathers of the stalk. She lays her eggs on the ground and lets them warm in the sand, unmindful that a foot may crush them, that some wild animal may trample them. She treats her young harshly, as if they were not hers. She cares not that her labor was in vain. If God did not endow her with wisdom or give her a share of good sense, Yet would she spread her feathers to run. She laughs at horses and riders. Do you give the horse his strength or clothe his neck with a flowering mane? And do you make him leap like a locust, striking terror with his proud snout? He pours furiously, rejoicing in his strength, and charges into flay, to fray. He laughs Okay.
uh, he laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. The quivering rattles against his side, along with the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. A blast of the trumpet, he snorts. Ah, he catches the scent of battle from afar. The shout of commander, commanders, and the battle cry. Does the hawk take flight by your wisdom and spread his wings towards the south? Does the eagle soar at your command and build his nest on high? He dwells on a cliff and stays there at night. A rocky crag is his stronghold. From there he seeks out his food and his eyes detect it from afar. His young ones feast on blood and where the slain are, there he is. Now, again, the Lord is still speaking to Job. Okay. Uh, Will the one who contend with the Almighty correct him? Let him who, uh, let him who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify myself? Do you have an arm like God's? And can your voice thunder like his? Then adore yourself with glory and splendor and clothe yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath and look at every proud man and bring him low. Look at every proud man and humble him. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Look at the behemoth which I made along with you and which feeds on grass like oxen. What strength he has in his loins, what power in his muscles of his belly. His tail sways like a cedar. The sinews of his thighs are closed tight. His bones are tubes of bronze, his limbs like rods of iron. He ranks first among the works of God, yet his maker can approach him with his words. The hill brings him their produce, and all the wild animals play nearby. Under the locust plants, he dies, hidden among the reeds in the marshes. The locusts conceal him in his their shadow. The populace 
by the stream surrounds him. When the river rages, he is not armed. He is secure, though the Jordan should surge against his mouth. Can anyone capture him by the eyes or trap him and pierce his nose? Can you pull in the leventhin with a fish hook or tie down his tongue with a rope? (laughs) Can you put a cord through his nose or pierce his jaws with a hook? If you can, good luck to you. Will he keep begging you for mercy? Will he speak to you with gentle words? Will he make an agreement with you for you to take him as your slave for life? Can you make a pet of him like a bird or put him on a leash for your girls? Will traders barter for him? Will they divide him up? Among the merchants. Can you fill his hide with harpoons or his head with fish spears? If you lay hand if you lay a hand on him, you will remember the struggle and never do it again. <laughs> Any hope of subduing him is false. The mere sight of him is overpowering. No one is fierce enough to rouse him. Who then is able to stand against him? Who has a calm? Who has a claim against? Uh, who has a claim against me that I may pay? Everything under the heavens belongs to me. I will not fail to speak of his limbs, his strength, and his graceful form. Who can strip off his outer coat? Who would approach him with a bridle? Who dares open the doors of his mouth and ring about with his fearsome teeth? His back has rows of shields, tightly uh, tightly sealed together. Each is so close to the next that no air can pass between. They are joined fast to one another. They cling together and cannot be parted. His snoring throws out flashes of light and his eyes are like the rays of dawn. Fire bands string from his mouth and sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke pours from his nostrils as from the boiling pots over a fire of reed. His breath sets coals ablaze and flames dart from his mouth. Strength resides in his neck. Dismay goes before him. The folds of his flesh are tightly joined, and they are firm and immovable. His chest is hard as a rock, hard as a lower millstone. When he rises up, the mighty are terrified. They retreat before his thrashing. The sword that reaches him has no effect, nor does the spear or the dart or the javelin. Iron he treats like straw, and brass like rotten wood. Arrows 
do not make him flee, and sling stones like shaft to him. A club seems to him but a piece of straw. He laughs at the rattling of the lance. He understands, uh, he undersides our jagged potsheds, leaving a trail in the mud like a threshing sled. He makes the depths churn like boiling cauldron and stirs up the sea like a pot of ornament. Behind him, he leaves a glittering wake. And what would think, one would think, uh, the deep had white hair. Nothing on earth is his equal, a creature without fear. He looks down on all that are haughty. He is king over all that are proud. Okay, that was... Chapter 41, we are now moving in to chapter 42, which is the last chapter of Job. And we're going to see what happens now that the Lord has spoken to Job and basically told him and the uh, the others, I am the Lord thy God, and I created everything, including you. And I will do what I want to do. And there's really nothing you can do about it except intercede. And it's up to him whether he wants to respond to your intercession. Okay. Um, So now this is Job's response. I know that you can, this is 42 and 1. Then Job replies to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thawed. You answer, who is this that observes my counsel without knowledge? Surely I speak of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak, and I will question you. And you shall answer me. My ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in the dust and ashes. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz and Eliphaz the Tamamite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. Mm. You have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, the Tepamite, Bildad, the Shudamite, and Zophar, Naphonite, did what the Lord told them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. After Job had prayed for his friends, 
the Lord made him prosperous again, prosperous again, and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble of the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. <laughs> the Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep and 6,000 camels, a thousand yokes of oxen and a thousand donkeys. And he also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named Gemina, the second Kiza, and the third Karen Hapach. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters, and their and their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived a hundred and forty years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation, and so he died old and full of years. And so you see, Job suffered many things, but the Lord blessed him accordingly at the end. Uh, for his service and for his righteous prayer. No matter what happened, Job stood and stood earnestly before the Lord praying righteous prayer. Whereas his so-called friends, not so much. And so the Lord made them give a sin offering for their sins to clear them so that it would not fall back on them because of what they've done. It could have fell back on them. They may have found themselves in the same situation. But the Lord told them to bring uh, burnt offerings and allow Job to pray for them. Okay? All right, everyone. I hope that you've learned much from the story of Job. Um I don't do a lot of breaking down of Job because Job in itself, when you read it, uh, you can see what's happening. And you can take that and just look into your life. Uh, see if you're in a Job moment or a Job season. And do like Job did. Stand before the Lord, prayer and praise. Prayer and praise, people. Prayer and praise. Okay, everyone. This is Mr. McMillan saying I hope everyone has a blessed evening and good night.